And so here we come to John 1, verse 1. And as we work our way through this, we'll see the identity of the word, the power of the word, and the triumph of the word. What we see first here in John 1 is that John backs all the way up to the beginning. In fact, a little bit even before the beginning. John takes us to eternity past because in the beginning was the word. That language right there at the at, at first, those three words take our minds, if you're familiar with your Bible at all, back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the beginning of time and space itself. And, and John's not speaking abstractly here. Some time way back. And sometimes we can start stories that way. Well, back when I was a kid, that's kind of an abstract. I mean, there's like an 18-year gap, the 18-year area where they could fit in there. Your story could fit in somewhere. John's not speaking abstractly. He's not speaking of a, a, an amount of time. He has a definite moment in mind. At the beginning, as God spoke creation into existence. At the very beginning was the Word. I want you to imagine with me this morning that you're hearing the Christmas story for the first time. Imagine that you are that one who's sitting across from, the, the, um, from, from John and you ask him, John, who is Jesus? You don't have any background here. And so John takes you back to creation. He says, all the way back at the beginning, the word was. kind of an odd place to start. Why, why is he telling me about the word? I asked about Jesus. Well, he'll get there. But first, you have to understand that in the beginning, in the beginning was the word. That is a significant little verb there. In the beginning, the word already was. The implication is that there is no was not for the word. The word was because the word has always been. In the beginning was the Word. We know that John was a somewhat competitive person. You see that in a passage like John 24, where he's talking about running to the tomb of Jesus, the resurrected Savior, and, 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 and though they were running, John outran Peter and got there first. John is sure to get that in there. There's almost a little bit of that in here, maybe. D.A. Carson in his commentary kind of humorously remarks that Mark, as opposed to John, but, but Mark also begins his gospel with the beginning. But John, Mark begins his gospel, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ. And then Mark goes on to tell about this suffering servant, but John one-ups Mark by tracing the same gospel back not just to the beginning of Jesus' earthly life, not just back to the incarnation. He traces this gospel all the way back to the creation of the world. That's good, Mark, but I can one-up you. Because yes, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but let me tell you that in the beginning was the word.
you're sitting there with John and, and maybe you haven't yet picked up on who this word is yet, that would be what you're focused on as John is telling you this. In the beginning was the word. Well, who or what then is the word? You'll note that in the translation of your Bible, the, the Bible translators give you a little bit of a clue. They, they, they capitalize the first letter, word. This is a proper noun. In fact, when you back up and you trace the idea of God's word back through the Old Testament, what you'll find is that the word, when used in the Old Testament, often refers to God's powerful self-expression. Going back to Genesis 1, it's through his word that God creates. We see that even in a passage like Psalm 33, verse 6. It is God's powerful self-expression seen in creation. Seen even in revelation as God speaks through his prophets and even in salvation. This word is this powerful self-expression of God. What we'll see as we work our way through John 1 is that this word, this expression... Self-expression of God is a person. And that this person is God's agent, the one through whom God works. So when you're putting this all together, imagine you're sitting there with John and you're, you're thinking through this. And okay, so in the beginning was the word. So this word, it is God's self-expression. It exists from eternity past. You can almost picture yourself sitting there working through this. But, but John doesn't leave you to wonder long. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. We often skip over that little word with, but, but it's really a word that indicates close proximity, even intimacy. Being in someone's presence alongside of them. Belonging there. It's more than just location. Rather, the word was intimate and belonged with God. It's similar to what we find in Philippians 2.6 where we are told that Jesus was in the form of God. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Why? Because he belonged there. He belonged with God. Why? What do you mean he belonged with God? Well, again, John doesn't leave us to wonder long. He belonged with God because he is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Really what we find here is a Trinitarian statement. The Word is not the entirety of the Godhead. You see, there's a way that, that John could have stated this, where it would have been, in, in essence, the word is the fullness, is the entirety of the Godhead. 
but that would be doctrinally untrue. The Word is not the entirety of the Godhead, but the Word is entirely God. The Word is one of three persons who exists in God's one essence, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Word is just as much God as the Father and the Spirit are God. The Word belongs because the Word is fully God. C.K. Barrett writes that John intends the whole of his gospel to be read in light of this Trinitarian truth. As you work through the book of John, the deeds and the words of Jesus, they are to be understood as the deeds and the words of God himself. In fact, if this be not true, then this entire book is blasphemous. This first verse lays the important foundation on which John, the book of John is written, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Unless you not understand, in verse 2, John states the same thing, just in a slightly different order. He, the Word, He was there in the beginning with God because he is God. So right from the beginning in the first verse, John lays out for us the identity of the word. He is God. Secondly, in verse 3, we see the power of the word. You see, not just was he there at the beginning, but all things were made through him. The him there is the word. All things were made through the word. And without the word, nothing was made that was made. We have two statements here, one positive and one negative, and both important. First note that all things were made Again, note the contrast between the word that was and all things that were made. The word is not created. The word is eternal, but all things were made through him. And specifically, I noted earlier that the word is a word when traced through the Old Testament, we come to see represents the powerful self-expression of God. Specifically, God's agent and creation, and that's exactly what we see here, that the Word is God's agent of creation. Again, getting back into this Trinitarian language, Scripture identifies all three persons of the Godhead as active in creation. We see God the Father active in creation, God the Son, and God the Spirit. They are all there engaged in the creation of the world. Yet, one thing that we find is that it is often God the Son who is singled out for his role in creation. You see that here in John 1. In a passage like Colossians 1, verses 16 to 17, or Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. Even in an Old Testament passage like Psalm 33, 6. We see the same truth that we see here, that through the Son, the Father created the earth. Back to 4th century theologian Basil of Caesarea, 
kind of sums up God's role in creation in the following terms. He says the Father is the original cause, the Son is the creative cause, and the Spirit is the perfecting cause. Or, to put it simply, creation comes into existence by the will of the Father, by the operation of the Son, and is perfected by the presence of the Spirit. One God created, and his name is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Here we focus in specifically on the Son's role in this creation. All things were made through him, and without him was nothing made that was made. Not only is this a restatement of the beginning of chapter of verse 3, all things were made through him, but it's also a restatement of the word's preexistence. If nothing was made without him, that means that he is not created. He already was, and not a single thing that has ever been created was created without him. He is God Almighty, God Eternal. So we see his identity in verse 1. He is God. We see his power in verse 3 in the creation of all things along with God because he is God. In verses 4 and 5, we see the triumph of the word. You see, in him, in the word, was life, and the life was the light of men. Here, John is introducing two of the themes of the book of John. If we were to continue going through the whole book, you would see these themes of life and light showing up. In fact, elsewhere in this gospel, Jesus himself proclaims that he is the light of the world in chapter 8, verse 12, and chapter 9, verse 5. He also proclaims that he is life, chapter 11, verse 25, and chapter 14, verse 6. That is insightful, it's important to, to see that and to understand that, to have that context even here at the beginning. And yet, it's also important to remember the context in which this statement happens. He is light, and he is life. And we know what John will go on to say about those things. But what is he saying about it here? You see, John here is primarily focused on creation. So it's more likely than rather than later on in the book, as these ideas of light and life will come to be unfolded and, and come to be seen as the gospel coming from God, That here the focus is more on creation itself. That from the very, very beginning in the darkness of nothingness, he is the source of life and light. Both physically as seen in creation and spiritually as we will go on to see later on in the book in salvation. All things come from him. All life and all light proceeds from God. In fact, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. 
Again, D.A. Carson in his commentary calls John 1.5 a masterpiece of planned ambiguity. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. You see, to those with no biblical background, to those who may not know the gospel story, to those coming to John and opening it for the first time, they see this light shining in the darkness. Their mind goes to creation. And that God and his power created and nothing could stop him from creating. As his light went forth, Creation happened, and the darkness could not comprehend or overcome it, could not stop it. Nothing could stop God from his creative purposes. His purposes cannot be halted. What he sets out to do, God does. But to those of us who know the whole story, who know the gospel, who come to the beginning of John with a, with a gospel lens, we see an even greater message beyond that, do we not? A hint at what is to come. A hint that not only can God's purposes not be overcome in creation, but God's purposes cannot be overcome in salvation. The devil and his demons will not triumph. The gates of hell will not prevail. Though all the power of death and hell stand up against our God, his word will triumph. Our God is victorious. Because our God is in the heavens and he does all that he pleases, both in creation and in salvation. The creation, God's light, pierced the darkness of space and in the incarnation, God's truth pierced the darkness of sin. And as you continue to work your way through John 1, we will come to John 1, 14, where we will see that this word is none other than Jesus Christ himself, born on Christmas Day. We celebrate born on Christmas Day. See, unlike Matthew and Luke, John does not include a genealogy. John isn't as interested or focused in on Jesus' human lineage as he is on his divine right and power. John's purpose is to show that Jesus Christ is God from eternity past. And he is God all-powerful. He is God whose will is done in creation, and he is God whose will is done in salvation. He is a God whose plans and purposes cannot be thwarted. These first five verses of John, really, when you think of these in the context of that baby lying in a manger, think of Mary sitting there and holding that baby and looking down, and she is looking into the face of God himself. The baby is not just a good man. She is holding the self-existent, pre-existent, eternal God in her hands who took on flesh to die for her, for you and for me. The context of John 1, 1 to 5, 
I'm thankful that John took the time to take this running start. Because this gives whole new meaning to the Christmas story. Praise the Lord. We don't just worship a baby. Jesus isn't like God. He's not a good man who became like God. He is God himself from eternity past who gave himself for you and for me, as we'll continue to see as we work our way through John 1.